We're living in difficult times. Equilibria believes that now, more than ever, their products can provide support and balance for women in need. That mission is at the core of everything they do. At Equilibria, CBD isn't hype, it's health. Designed with modern women in mind, EQ takes all the guesswork out of CBD. After you've made a purchase, simply schedule a consultation with one of their trained dosage specialists and they'll get you on the path towards balance. Their assortment of premium products arrive at your doorstep in swoon-worthy packaging. Whether it's daily soft gels you seek, balancing bath bombs, or a mindful mineral soak, your order is tailored to help your specific needs and can be purchased on subscription for trouble-free restocking. Curious? Use code OFFTHEGRAM for 15% off your first purchase. Trust me, you'll thank us. Great. You know, what's funny is you commuting two hours to your job and now you realize that you can do your same great job from home. Why are we making some people commute hours and hours to get the same medical care when we have this technology? It no longer makes sense. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Yay! Hi, guys. How are you? Welcome back to Skype land. I know. For real. (laughs) So today we are beyond excited to welcome the founder and CEO of Parsley Health, a company that in just a few short years has changed medicine as we know it. She is a summa cum laude graduate of UPenn, medical school graduate of Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons, and trained in internal medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Our guest has also trained in functional medicine with the Institute of for functional medicine. In 2011, she co-founded the physician communication app Curator and currently advises numerous startups in healthcare and wellness. Robin founded Parsley Health in order to make whole body transformative medicine accessible to everyone through better services and smart technology. Most importantly, just kidding, (laughs) today's guest is a yogi and my dear friend, mama to two very young and gorgeous children. And there is no one I would rather listen to speak about medicine and its future than this incredible boss, babe. So please welcome the one and only Dr. Robin Furzen. We're so excited to have you. Oh my gosh, that intro is just, I mean, put that in a bottle. Well, thank you so much. I'm like bright red, but that is amazing. (laughs) But it's all you. So yay. Thank you for being so amazing. (laughs) And Robin, I will say this is Jamie speaking that like, you know, for somebody who is so accomplished, you know, I've met you a handful of times. And every time I walk away saying she's so humble, like you're so cool and down to earth. And, you know, I think that probably hearing somebody with all those credentials, you wouldn't expect to see what we see in front of us, which is like one of like the coolest looking mamas around. And I always just love your vibe. You have such a cool vibe. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. You Well, I I get it. I get it from Heidi. Yeah, I I get it from Heidi, really, uh, and all of our like many days hanging out in the yoga studio, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we were like. New York newbies and little like yoga addicts that uh, got to be friends. And here we are now. So, you know, those are that that's, that's still my happiest place of all. 
Totally. And also our lunch dates at like raw vegan restaurants that were yummy back then. I know. I miss those. Those are the days. (laughs) Pre-COVID life. Yeah, right. Well, well, yeah, speaking of of COVID life. So, Christine, you had a weekly catch up topic for us that kind of like relates to that, right? Yes. It's about the whole country reopening and the different phases and, you know, how everybody feels about it. I'm I'm getting a little stressed because I I'm typically in New York City. Um, and right now I'm staying right outside in New Jersey. Uh, we have a little beach house and I thought I was safer staying at the house. And once or twice, we made some trips back to New York to get some things and just to check on the apartment. And everybody in New York is wearing masks and everybody is so, so, so diligent about, I feel like, from what I could see, being safe. And then I'm noticing more and more and more, it's getting a little bit more lax out where I am by the beach. And it's only an hour out of New York, but it's making me a lot more stressed. I almost feel like I might be safer in New York. Um, you know, and I just thought open air and big spaces and beach air would have been um, a little bit more healthy and, and safe. But it's starting to get me a little more panicked because restaurants are starting to open. Um, outdoor dining, they're closing down streets out here and they're making restaurants just take over the streets, which is great. But all the surrounding people are not wearing masks. And I'm just sort of... I don't know. I'm kind of shocked. Like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, it protects you. It protects everybody else. It's just a no brainer. So I I don't know. How are you guys feeling about that all? (laughs) Yeah. First of all, like geographically, can we catch up on where we all are? Because (laughs) I, I, we've all, we've all made some changes, uh, even amongst just the four of us co-hosts. So I knew I was in Maine for a couple of months quarantining and now I'm in Greenwich, Connecticut at my mom's house. And then I'm actually moving to Pennsylvania. <laughs> so this was a post-COVID move for me. Um, and it's going to get me closer to my my work at QVC. But really, the reason is, is because I just don't feel ready to go back to New York. I don't want to bring my family, my young kids, my husband's over 60. I'm just I'm not there yet. How about you guys? Where Where is everybody? This is Heidi. I am in Rhode Island at my parents' house since my twins had their fifth birthday yesterday. I know, right? Robin, can you believe it? Can you believe it? What? How are they five? How is that possible? Mind-blowing, right? So I want them to be around... I want them to be around family. So, you know, we're here, but we are planning. And we were in Southampton for three and a half months. And we're planning to go back to New York City. But my husband, which is hilarious because he's the one that was born and raised in Manhattan and like literally never left, went to Columbia undergrad, went to Stern for business school. Like he's New York City. And um, he's terrified of having our kids there. And also, also like, and now like fueling his fire is what he perceives to be like the huge spike in crime happening in New York, violent crimes, um, like shootings and stuff. So he's not feeling great about it in that sense. So, but like, I want to go home. <laughs> I just want to go home and like be in my Heidi. home. But, but Heidi, Christine, when, um, mm-hmm. like I said, the two times I went back, it was mm-hmm. so, I, it was just such a relief to see people, even everybody, like people mm-hmm. in my building, people on the street, people taking out the garbage, everybody had a mask on. Like people I would right. not think would even like bother doing it, had it. I probably saw two or three people the whole the whole few hours I was there in the car driving around um, with masks. I mean, I saw a lot of movement. I was there last week, and it was a blast. New York yeah. is amazing right now. Yeah. Actually, crime is actually much more reduced uh, during COVID uh, overall. Um, the only thing that's been up has been, I think, uh, like car theft and things with cars. But overall, crime has been way lower. 
statistically, at least in the five boroughs. I had I, that's the statistics. Ah, the stats I had seen. Uh, and, and we've been upstate, uh, mostly since mid March and just feel incredibly lucky and, and, and privileged. Uh, my husband and I bought this tiny little house way up in the country, like before we got engaged, before we had kids and dogs and all the things, uh, and had just held on to it. And so we've been kind of camped out up here. It is a tiny house. So it's no longer big enough for the kids and the dogs and all the things, but we're making it work and, and it's going great. But we've been back twice now and honestly, I was there last week. New York felt uh, amazing. And it was so nice to be in my apartment. It was so nice to be in my neighborhood. Uh, just, I don't know. I just felt like positive vibes all around. Um, and a couple weeks prior, uh, we went into, we went to Central Park. Um, and my husband also grew up in, in Manhattan and New York City. And so his mom was there and we hadn't seen his mom in months. She hadn't seen her grandkids. And it was beautiful. It was great. It was great. I don't know. I will bet on New York City any day. I think that of all the places on earth that will figure this out, um, you know, it survived 9-11. It survived the financial crisis in 2008. Like, it's just always going to be the place. And just being there recently, I think I, I saw it. Like, I felt it. So we'll see, though. You know, we'll see. I just got this. I know this is Heidi. I got full body chills from that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so happy. Well, this is Megan, and I'm staying put in New Jersey. <laughs> I hope I never have to go back to my office. Kidding, not kidding, Hearst, but I really like I like staying put in my house. And I got a new standing desk, so life is good. Well, you had that horrible commute, too. So you're, you were yeah. you're saving like four hours I gained, of your life. I gained some time. Yeah. I definitely gained some time. Mm-hmm. I, I think like the long and the short of it is if you are kind of lucky enough to be able to continue to work remote, like for me, I, I, I my situation is my situation. I can work from kind of anywhere. We actually, we're not just leaving New York because we're um, fearful, although that is a part of the consideration. We're leaving New York for now because we also realize that we really like this other way of life and we want to live in a house for a while. So it's less of like a leaving New York and a going towards something else for a while that we thought could be could be neat. Um, and I, regardless of whether I'm in New York or elsewhere, um, I don't feel comfortable yet with the masklessness and the kind of um, uh, the carefree attitude that a lot of people seem to have, including parts of my own family. You know what I mean? Like, and you have to like, now we have to all kind of this cavalier attitude where they're like, well, I think you're being a little crazy. And I'm like, am I, you know, am I, but it's hard. It's hard, you know, and yeah, we can just agree to disagree. But if I find that someone has a cavalier attitude, I'm, Still will choose not to be around them yet. But Dr. Robin, can we talk about masks? So one of my favorite memes that's <laughs> going around the web right now is like wearing your mask under your nose is the equivalent of wearing like your G string under your penis, perhaps. Like have you seen that illustration where you have and I just was at Target and I'm like everybody had their ma- like not everybody, but many, many people were wearing the mask under their nose, and I'm like I don't think that helps. And the woman's like, I have asthma. I'm like, I have asthma too. And my mask is on. I don't understand. And the governor, yeah, you know, it's that little sketch where everybody puts it on their chin and he's like, this is not to protect your chin. It's like, what is that? Why is it hanging? I'll drive with it on my chin before I get to the store. And then as soon as I leave, I mask up, but like you have to cover your nose, right doc? Yeah. It's not going (laughs) to work if you don't cover your nose and your mouth. It's it's, you can't like, it's like an all or nothing. It's like not being sort of pregnant. Like you're either wearing it 
or you're or you're not wearing it, but there's not like a half wearing it that's terribly helpful for anyone, including yourself, right? So, yeah. Well, I feel like this segues great into our episode topic, don't you, Jane? Yeah, absolutely, because it is a whole new world, and that kind of brings me to telemedicine. So, what is telemedicine? You've heard the term, you know, but like, is it only for the very wealthy? Is it good enough? Like, can my doctor really see my hives through my iPhone camera? Is there even a real doctor on the other end of my teledoc visit? So no one's jumping up to be the first in line to go back to physical doctor's offices when each part of our country does reopen. So that kind of begs the question, do we even need to go back to physical doctor's offices? Many of us have discovered the joys of telemedicine during this stay-at-home, socially distanced time. I am one of those people. And to separate facts and fiction and dispel the myths causing fears, we're thrilled to have Dr. Robin here with us. Uh, because in over 35 states in just a few short years, you've been on a mission to make healthcare more accessible to the masses. And Parsley Health is redefining primary care with a root cause, whole person approach and a focus on data, technology and real doctor patient relationships. You guys are at the forefront of telemedicine, showing the world how it should be done. So I cannot imagine anyone better to enlighten us all on telemedicine and what the future holds. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yay! Let's chat about this. We want to hear all the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Telemedicine, I mean, uh, telemedicine is great. You know, what's funny is we launched our first 100% telemedicine service in 10 states uh, in February of 2020. Which is timing. Just just timing. Um, And now we have, actually, we now have 40 states that are live for our services, and we'll have all 50 very soon. But what what inspired that, and so this is all pre-COVID, what inspired that over the past few years since we started Parsley, we started out initially with clinics like brick and mortar, see your doctor in person clinics in New York, LA and San Francisco. However, because we've always had this membership model, we always said, all right, you got to come in for that first visit. But after that, if you want to do a visit via telemedicine, via video, no problem, because we want to be where you are. And that's where I always knew medicine was going. It was just very clear to me that we couldn't continue to only offer medical care in very specific geographic locations where one person can get the best medical care in one little location, but somebody else has to travel hours and hours to get there. It's like you commuting two hours to your job. And now you realize that you can do your same great job from home. Why are we making some people commute hours and hours to get the same medical care when we have this technology, it no longer makes sense. And so what you saw was like the medical community and people starting to do telemedicine, but it wasn't the norm. And at Parsley, we always just let you do telemedicine. And so when we looked at our data back in 2019, like before having no idea any of this was coming, we saw that 60% of all of our visits with the doctor or the health coach, because we offer both, but all together, we're already over video. And we also saw that we had people coming from other cities, states, and countries traveling to see us at Parsley Health for that first visit at one of our clinics, because we had required that. And then going back home to wherever they lived and doing all the rest of their stuff over video. And so we looked at ourselves in 2019 and said, why are we making these people come from other countries and other states? Because we have this amazing approach to hair when anything that we're doing can be done via video. And so it does depend on the medicine, right? We're not at the point that you're going to deliver your baby or, you know, get your knee replaced on online, right? Well, I have no doubt we'll get there. I, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where. It'll probably, it may not be in my lifetime, but it'll probably happen. But what we can do is the majority of our day-to-day medical services o- online. 
And so you shouldn't, you should be able to live in Pennsylvania or in New Jersey or wherever you, or Rhode Island or wherever you're choosing to live and to be able to see great doctors and get help with your health. And so that's what we do. And we can prescribe to any pharmacy local to you. We can order lab tests at your local lab. Um, and if we determine that you have something that you need to be seen in person right now, well, we'll direct you to make sure that can happen. Nine out of 10 times, that's going to the ER, which isn't your primary care doctor anyway, right? Um, if you get hit by a bus, you're not stopping by your PCP to say, hey, I got hit by a bus. You're going straight to the ER. Um, so most of those things that are, do have that kind of in-person urgent component um, can be handled that way or can be handled by you know a local urgent care or a local doctor. But most of what we do today, prescribing drugs, ordering tests, telling you what you to do. That's what we like to do as doctors. We like to tell you what to do. We like to be like so bossy. I'm loving, I, I'm a, I'm bossy for my job, but, um, you know, we can do all that over video. Um, and you know, it's funny because the teledocs of the world, those big public companies that have been doing online kind of quick visits, urgent care style medicine, they've been doing all that for, you know, years and years and years. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited just to see the world catching up because it's going to really mean a lot more access to a lot better medicine to a lot more people. I think we all realized so much during this quarantine time, like what's possible. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't, it's not just me thinking this is like, obviously like the biggest news kind of in business is that like, I think like 50% of offices aren't going to go back to operating at full capacity because they just realized they don't have to. And the same with so many industries. I mean, you know, on the TV side, I can't tell you how many uh, segments we've all done from our living room. And it's like, whoever thought that would be a thing, but, we, what surprised me is how nimble we've all been as a society to just kind of adapt and move on. We're like, all right, well, we're home and we just got to keep it moving. And thank God telemedicine is available right now because it's probably mitigated so many circumstances where people would have gone and put themselves in danger during this time for seeing a doctor for something that wasn't maybe necessary to go in for. Yeah, it's a great proof point, right? It's just, I call it the great acceleration. Uh, and we already had this technology. We were already using it in certain places. We certainly were at Parsley, kind of taking it for granted in the rest of our lives that you would do a FaceTime call or a Zoom chat for work or, you know, for whatever to talk to your mom who might live in another state, but then not applying this very basic technology to our medical services. And then it's like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And so I think you're right. We've sort of in this mass way proved to ourselves what is possible and now there's not a lot of reason to go back to doing things the way that they were done before, even when we have that opportunity. And so it'll be a mix. It'll be a hybrid. You know, there'll be times when you want to see a doctor in person. Um, obviously, again, your knee replacement being a version of that. But beyond Parsley Health, I'm seeing it everywhere in places you wouldn't have thought. Physical therapy. So much of physical therapy you can do yourself at home with somebody who's, who's educated and, and has the right information can look at you, can guide you through, right? Now, if you've seen people doing their PT online, um, you know, and then there's other things where it's like a massage. Sorry? No, I was just going to say that, like, my son had hip dysplasia and had surgery for it, and he does PT twice a week, and um, we do PT on FaceTime now. It's amazing. And it's like he's a little bait, like he's two, you know? So it's like if he can do it, Grownups can do it. <laughs> that makes also, sense to me. This so is Megan speaking. Like I, I get it for physical therapy and those types of things, but there, I guess there are limits because I had two kids with ear infections this week, and I was like, "Yes, 
We're going to do a telemedicine visit. And I was so pumped. I'm like, this is it. We don't even have to go to the office. And we did still, they said, we can't diagnose this over the phone. So we did still subsequently have to go in at 10 o'clock at night to have their ears checked. You know, we did the, the PM pediatrics or whatever it was so that they could get their medicine, et cetera. So what are, what are the most common things that you're able to diagnose and do? And what are the limitations? Yeah. You know, I think kids are a special case in this. I do think that a lot of pediatrics really needs to be done in person, whether it's your well visits, your physical exams. Now, some things, weight and height, like we all have a scale, like you can check some of those things at home. But I do think that for a lot of pediatrics, it's really important to be seen in person and ear infection. Um, you know, an adult occasionally gets an ear infection, but for the most part, it's like a kid thing. And so, you know, there, there are those limitations. When it comes to what we're dealing with at Parsley, the reality is today, six out of 10, we're an adult medical practice. So we really don't okay. do anything in pediatrics. Um, we have a small pediatric service, but it's, it's in person in New York. Most of what we do is adult medicine. And so in adults, you know, six and 10 Americans today have a chronic condition. 30 million Americans have three chronic conditions. And in the next 15 years, that's expected to triple to 90 million because we are living ourselves sick. And these are things like what I saw in residency and what inspired me to start Parsley Health. It's your diabetes and your high blood sugar and your obesity. It's your high blood pressure and your heart disease, right? And it's your digestive issues, everything from reflux to Crohn's disease to bloating to IBS. It's your hormone imbalances from PMS to menopause and fertility right there in between. It's your autoimmune conditions, which 80% of them are in women. And we have 50 million people in UNESCO who have some sort of autoimmune. And this is everything from your lupus to your eczema to your arthritis, your psoriasis. The vast majority of our healthcare today is not these acute things that you need a physical exam for. We have this idea that's very dated, that medicine is your ear infection and somebody listening to your lungs. And the reason that we think that, the reason that we think that is the example that you just used. Because we all have an idea of what medicine is from when we were kids. And then we became adults and we stopped engaging in medicine in any way until we got so sick that we absolutely had to. Because medicine is not proactive in this country, it's reactive. So you think of medicine as being colds and flus and coughs and colds. Let's be honest with ourselves. COVID-19 aside, these infectious diseases, these coughs and colds are not the plague of America's healthcare system today. It is chronic illness, and that's affecting everyone. And by the way, 6 in 10 have been diagnosed. Two out of the other four are on their, on their way to some sort of chronic illness. They just haven't been diagnosed yet. And so when you think of the things that a doctor is doing, like a doctor like me, now I'm not a surgeon. I'm also not an athlete. I have no hand-eye coordination. So you do not want me in the OR. Um, you are an so athlete. You're a yogi. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I will tell my husband that he will laugh at me and not believe me, but, um, I, you know, anything to do with, you know, hand-eye and throwing a ball, just forget it. But so there's people who are really good at that surgery. Yes. That stuff needs to be in person. Those types of procedures, obviously, but the vast majority of medicine today is the medicine we're not paying enough attention to, which is managing all of these chronic conditions. I don't need to look in your ears or listen to your lungs for that. Um, anyone can buy a cheap or ha and if you have high blood pressure, you should have a blood pressure monitor at home. I believe everybody should have one. It's a two second thing. Anybody can do these things are available on Amazon for cheap. Uh, you can weigh yourself at home. We know your height. Now we know your BMI. We know if you're obese or not. Right. So most of what we're doing is based on an interview with you right? Hearing your story and laboratory testing, knowing your data. I don't diagnose 
high, high cholesterol by looking at you. Most of the smart data that we use in medicine today is all based on lab testing. So you can go get that lab testing anywhere, but I, the doctor, am going to interpret it. And then the most important part is I'm going to tell you what to do with that information and hopefully help you do it. Right now in medicine, in a lot of places, not at Parsley Health, of course, but in a lot of places, it's here's what you got. Take this thing. Peace. Good luck to you. Right. And there's not that continuous relationship or unlimited messaging or the support of a health coach to actually make these changes. And then the crazy part of everything, all of this is that, you know, if you have high blood pressure, chances are you're not suffering from a deficiency in a antihypertensive medication. If you're lying awake at night, you're not suffering from a deficiency in Ambien. You have a, you have a why, why do you have high blood pressure? Why do you have migraine headaches? Why do you have, why are you lying awake at night? And a lot of those things are diet and lifestyle driven. And so at Parsley, we look at the whole picture and we address nutrition, lifestyle change, supplements alongside medications, which we prescribe as well. But that, all of that, everything I just described, recommending a drug, recommending a supplement, recommending a nutrition protocol, interpreting your lab test, ordering your lab test, people forget that that's the majority of medicine today. And that all of that can be done online. So certainly not everything can be. I would never say that. But I think it's also important that we as a society catch up to where medicine is today. And many of us are still thinking about medicine in the context of our experience of it as children or for our own children. And yet as adults, what we need to do is get under the hood through testing and really understand what's going on. Hi, I'm Jamie from Off the Gram. Launching a podcast is a lot of work. Luckily, Gotham Podcast Studio has everything you need to get started. Whether you just need an hour of recording time or a jumpstart with full-service production, Gotham Podcast Studio offers high-quality audio and video recording, reduced membership rates, podcast hosting services, and much more. All from their studio located in the heart of Manhattan. Visit GothamPodcastStudio.com for more information. Now, back to the show. I just wanted to mention that the, the um, telemedicine and even having these phone calls is that first step. I know even my husband, it, would, it takes me a while to say, like, get let's get to the doctor. Let's do that physical. And I used to love that um, when we were both full time, there was a system where um, in order to keep our insurance, you had to have that physical every every September. And that was I, I'm on top of it for me. But for him, I loved it because I knew if you know we're going to lose our coverage if we don't get into the doctor by September 15th or whatever. So that was always a great, you know, kick in the butt for somebody like him who was a little bit more eh, about visits. But this might be a little bit more of a, um, I guess, icebreaker for those people who can have that first conversation or like, you know, they have to come in first, but then they know that they can get on the phone with you or you can be there to support them and hold their hand a little bit more throughout, but they don't have to be in that office. Something about maybe, I don't know, maybe it's men, but <laughs> I just feel like... Well, no, men, the data shows that men only engage in medicine when they're in crisis. Yeah. Um, and by the way, women, well, all of us are women on this call, drive 80% of healthcare spending. We are the decision makers for ourselves, for our parents, for our kids, for our partners, for our colleagues, for our friends. We are driving the healthcare system, but we don't get any credit for it. And a lot of people, men or women alike, are, as you say, the doctor is scary. We also grow up cultured that way when we're kids, right? When you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor when you have an ear infection or something where you need a shot or somebody's going to look in your ear and it hurts or you have to take a medicine that tastes bad, right? We, we are taught fear, of medical services on a, on a sort of 
subconscious level when we're kids. And so no, people don't like to go to the doctor. And then if you're busy, you're going, you're going, you know, you're going through your life and you have a two hour commute to work every day. When do you have time to physically go in? And so what we're finding now, because we have members now in 40 states across the country, uh, we, people feel more comfortable because how much more comfortable is it to see the doctor in your living room, just the way that you're doing a segment in your living room? You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to feel weird. You don't, you're almost on like a, a, an even playing field in a new way. And it sets up the relationship, I think, in a healthier way. I love that. And this is Heidi speaking. I also like I think that the there's also the huge bonus of like not worrying about getting sick in the waiting room. That was like a big thing for my growing up. I remember like my parents always like yelling about like, I don't want to take her for a sprained wrist or a well visit because she's just going to get sick in the waiting room. And well, so there's that factor, which is like super bonus for telemedicine. But I, when you were speaking, Robin, I had a question because you said about like the blood pressure monitor. I would love to hear your opinion on like, what should all of us to make telemedicine better and work better for everyone? What should all of us have at home? Like, oh is there gosh. a list? <laughs> you're, my, you're my favorite. This is such an amazing question. Also <laughs> one that no one has ever asked me before. Um, so extra points for you. So uh, that's a great suggestion. So what, what I recommend everybody have, first of all, a scale. So it says it's not about, it's not about like obsessively tracking your weight. Um, we're, we're not a weight loss service at Parsley. We only think about weight in the context of overall health. And so, um, but you know, uh, you can have a scale also helpful for your kids. Uh, if your kid's too squirmy, you stand on it yourself, you grab your kid, you stand on it and you do the math. Um, a blood pressure cuff, um, like an Omron blood pressure cuff, um, that will tell you not only your blood pressure, but your heart rate as well. Um, and it takes two minutes and you can slap it on yourself and you can know your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, I don't think this is necessary, but a lot of people have gotten, um, oxygen saturation, uh, monitors, which you can get at like a CVS they're super cheap. And you put them on a finger to see what your oxygen saturation is. It should be well over 96, 97% for most people, unless they have a reason that they know it might be a little lower, like an underlying lung condition. I think that's extra. I think your scale, your blood pressure cough, your heart rate monitor. And then what's cool is that as telemedicine proliferates, we're already seeing the proliferation of some of these new gizmos and gadgets like uh, a little hook on for your phone that taps into the ear monitor of your phone where you can look in the ear and it takes a snapshot and sends it to your doctor. There's also new tests coming for home. You know, we already have these, like you don't need to go to the doctor to see if you have a UTI. These are stupid little basic tests, right? Like do the UTI test at home, right? Or the basic one to see if you have an issue, right? You might then need a culture. But what I'm seeing is more and more companies developing more and more of what's called fancy word, remote monitoring technology, right? It's like a super scary, impressive word for just do it at home yeah. uh, and send your doctor the results. And a lot of the sort of basic things, the bread and butter medicine, the ear infection, the throat stuff, the blood pressure checks, these are all things that I think within a matter of years, everyone will just have at home and be, be able to check themselves if need be. That is oh my so gosh. cool. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I love this so much. And it's funny because my husband is like a super duper tech geek. Um, so I, I had asked, I was polling all the grown ups in the room downstairs before we got on with you. I was like, what would you want me to ask? 
you know, Robin, because I have this amazing opportunity. And so the, the, when I say the grownups, it was my husband and our babysitter. So they all, they both had a lot of questions and my husband had basically this exact question. And then his other question being 60 years old was, um, I want to live forever. I want to live as long as I can. I have younger kids that I had later in life. And my goal is to live as long as humanly possible. So he's become like a a super hyper geek about um, learning about, you know, we're plant-based and we've changed a lot. So under the kind of uh, understanding that food is medicine, right? One of the things I love the most about talking to you in our first talk that we ever had was um, how holistic your approach is and how much further it goes than most, you know, Western medicine. And I love what you were just talking about, you know, that in America, we tend to not go to the doctor until we're sick and almost dying and insurance doesn't cover us until we're sick and almost dying. What about lifestyle and prevention? So I'm curious, how do your health coaches work with patients and how often do they check in? Like, because some of it is, is telemedicine, because of the telemedicine approach, are you able to have more of a consistent check-in? Like, I see my doctor once a year, right? So that's not really helpful because I tend to forget things like within three days of seeing a practitioner. So how often do you guys check in? Do you have people keeping journals? Do you advise them on diet and nutrition? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have a membership model for the reason that it works better. So at Parsley, we, we only do longer term care. And what that means is that you have unlimited messaging 365 days a year with your doctor and your health coach. So on average, people are seeing a doctor three to four times a year, but our average visit length is about an hour. So, you know, the average person spends 15 minutes a year with their GP. You can't accomplish anything in 15 minutes, right? It, it's like, it's, it's nearly pointless. And so um, our average visit length with the doctor is an hour with the coach is half an hour or 45 minutes. Um, and people are seeing the coach roughly every quarter. People are seeing the doctor roughly every quarter, or at least checking in with them online. And then in between, if you have a question, if you need help with something, we're there 365 days a year. And most people don't have that kind of relationship with their doctor. Like, Hey, I'm not feeling so great. Or I've been having this like gas and bloating for a month, right? What do you do? You go pop some Pepto, you just kind of deal with it everyone's sort of DIYing things and not really knowing what's going on because they're sort of like, Oh, I've got to make an appointment. I've got to go sit in that scary waiting room. I've got to go in. I don't have time for that. My kids, blah, blah, blah. And so you sort of wait again. until it's like horrible to do anything about it. And meanwhile, you have these things going on. So when you have this unlimited communication, the platform kind of fixes that. Now, when it comes to food, I always tell people like food is cure, not just, not just prevention. And I'll give it an example of that. Um, and then I'll speak to your husband's desire to live forever because you can really change the trajectory of not just your longevity, but the quality of those years through food as medicine. But when we think about food as cure, one of my, one of my earlier patients, when I started Parsley came in, she was, she would have seen her walking down the street and been like healthiest person alive, like in her forties, you know, fit, she was a runner and she had really chronic asthma. So like six out of 10 Americans, she's living with a chronic disease. She's on $800 worth of medications a month to control her asthma, still landing in the ER once a year, having an asthma asthma exacerbation. We dug underneath the surface. She had food allergies. She was allergic to dairy. She was allergic to wheat. She also had metabolic syndrome. She was super skinny and she had prediabetes because she was eating too much sugar to train for her running and just eating generally standard American diet. So she was on her way to diabetes, never would have guessed it. And so her body was inflamed because she had a blood sugar imbalance, which hundreds of millions of Americans have on again, test under the surface. Can't look at you and diagnose that. Um, 
and we got her off of the food she was allergic to and cleaned up her diet so she wasn't on so much sugar. Medication free, saved over 10 grand a year in medications, asthma completely in remission. And so for a lot of these conditions, whether it's a heart disease, whether it's an autoimmune condition, whether it's even infertility, a lot of the things that we're dealing with, if we can use food, not always as the whole part picture, but part of it, we can actually in a relatively short period of time, within less than a year, often within a few months, 90 days, put into remission or start reversing some of these chronic conditions that people are sort of accepted that they just have to live with forever. And then when it comes to you know, your husband's 60, he wants to have longevity. I'm assuming he wants energy and vitality and strength, right? The foods that you're putting in your mouth every day will result in either energy, vitality, strength, fitness, focus, healthy sleep, healthy digestion, and then ultimately longevity, or they will result in brain fog, sluggishness, fatigue, digestive issues, body pain, depression, anxiety, right? So we have a choice in what we're putting in our mouths every day. I went to a great medical school. I didn't learn about nutrition in this therapeutic way. I learned that later. Um, but it's crazy to me that we're not putting nutrition on the prescription pad right there next to the prescription drug. It doesn't make the prescription drug any less important. Prescription drug. Don't want to kick that off the prescription pad. I need that too. Please don't take that away from me. Dr. Burson wants to be able to prescribe her antibiotics and her, her statins and her other things. But uh, but why was I not trained to also use nutrition? Not only to, so, you know, people sort of treat it like mythically, we're going to like prevent something that might happen 20 years from now. It's like, no, you're going to feel better tomorrow. And you're also going to heal the thing that you've had going on for seven years within 90 days, if you start eating differently in some cases. So it's really interesting, just kind of flipping the perspective on that. That's amazing. I, had a question based on what you just said. This is Heidi again with like, and I have 8 million allergies. I have since I was born, blah, blah, blah. Um, but no two allergists that I've ever been to have given me the same answers. Not ever, not ever. Um, and I've supposedly seen the best of the best all over the world. Cause it's been an issue since I was born. So my question is at parsley, I've actually heard a number of your very happy clients talk about how you guys, you know, discovered, food sensitivities or allergies, which are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's your process to finding out that? Because that seems to be like if food is medicine, like finding out the foods that attack your body versus fuel your body and heal it seems to be a pretty big deal. So that's your process. So the process is start with your story. You've had allergies since you were a kid, since you were a little kid. So that tells us something about, you know, we might ask, were you born C-section? Were you breastfed? Because some of those things can or not. And those two, those things can set up your immune system for slightly different trajectories for some people. So we go way back in your story. Then we hear, oftentimes we'll hear, oh, you know, maybe they weren't born with allergies, but starting having allergies as a, as a young child. Then you think, hmm, a lot of kids are allergic to foods, but they're fed them anyway. Because we're culturally say, oh, this is just what kids eat. So a lot of kids are eating dairy or eating soy or eating eggs or eating, um, in some cases, wheat, and they're actually allergic to them. But because they're sort of kid food, and historically, we didn't recognize that. When you constantly eat something you're allergic to or you're exposed to something like that that you're allergic to, you actually start triggering your immune system very early on to cause dysfunction, and then you can start becoming allergic to other things. Similarly, um, you'll hear that kid who had a zillion antibiotics growing up, all the ear infections or throat infections. That was me. It was also popular in the 80s to like give antibiotics for everything. My dad was a doctor. He was like, antibiotics for everything. Amoxicillin for everything. 
um, that starts to destroy your microbiome, which is one of the biggest, uh, the bugs in your gut, right? These bacteria are actually controlling your immune system to some degree. They're, they're keeping it in check. So for some kids, the allergies started when they had a lot of antibiotics. Sometimes they had the antibiotics because they were actually allergic to that dairy and getting the ear infections and throat infections because of the food allergy. Then they had antibiotics. So I'm giving you an, an example here, but we go back in time because if you don't start with where it started, you're not going to figure out where it's going. Right. And so that's how we kind of begin, begin with story always, but we ask a lot of questions that regular doctors don't ask. And then when it comes to testing, Sometimes it's just straight up food allergy testing. Sometimes that isn't getting run. People tend to focus on allergens like in the air, like pollen. Those are legit too, but sometimes people don't do enough of the other kind of testing. So we'll start with that. We usually reserve food sensitivity testing, oftentimes more to our autoimmune patients or when we're having trouble figuring it out. Sometimes before we get to that testing, which is what I call fancy pants testing, we will do a simple elimination diet. Eliminate a couple key foods like wheat, like dairy. For some people, it's soy. For some people, it's eggs. Not everybody's allergic to dairy. Not everybody's allergic to wheat. But a lot of people, frankly, are to some level. And it's really interesting what happens when you take wheat, dairy, and sugar out of someone's diet for a month. I mean, I, I feel like I, I bore myself because I'm like, take these foods out. Everyone's like, Every, you know, everyone goes to parsley and goes on this elimination diet. And we're like, because it clears a lot of stuff up. And it's free. And if you <laughs> don't, and, and you could just... No one's taking these foods off the market. Like six weeks later, start re-eating them again and see how you feel. It's like the easiest intervention in the world. Like, I don't know why everyone wouldn't just do it. So we have an article on our blog, how to do simple elimination diet. You can do it yourself. You don't have to come see us. So that's telemedicine that you can do, but you can do it. It's telemedicine. You can do it at, at home. So start with that. So we'll do sometimes an elimination diet. And then we'll also do other testing besides food sensitivity testing. Because I'll tell you, a lot of things get missed and not tested for immune dysfunction, autoimmunity in women, thyroid issues in women, um, heavy metal levels, nutrient deficiencies. There's all sorts of stuff. Um, vitamin D is a potent regulator of the immune system. Um, the majority of people are either vitamin D deficient or vitamin D suboptimal. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't spend a lot of time naked on my lawn getting full body sun. My whole body's covered. Speak for yourself. Around. I mean... <laughs> I want to come where you guys are because this sounds fun, but I, I, I just, I'm pressed all day. I'm not, I'm wearing sunblock in my hat and my son, you know, we've all been told don't get in the sun. You're going to get skin cancer. You're going to get wrinkles. But as a result, we have suboptimal or frankly deficient levels of vitamin D and vitamin D is a potent immune regulator. So these are all things we look for to put the picture together. Sometimes we add the fancy pants testing on top of that. We don't always need it. Um, and we put the picture together. So in your case, Heidi, and I'm going to make you come see us online. <laughs> and a lot of this testing you just do at home or you do at your local lab. I'd want to dig back in your story. I'd want to understand where this maybe came from for you. And then sometimes we can use a combination of elimination, some supplements to quiet inflammation and other things to help, let's just say, retrain the immune system, give it a little bit of a re-education and doesn't always work, but sometimes it can really potently work to just calm things down and people are even able to reintroduce those foods. Some people like my asthma patient I talked about earlier, she's really allergic to these two foods. She cannot eat them. If she starts eating dairy, we had a big thing about ice cream for a long time. And I was finally like, all right, you can have some ice cream, but it's just gotta be, you know, the coconut ice cream. You cannot eat the dairy ice cream because you're going to, you're not going to be able to breathe, but it's your call. <laughs> so Shoot, pick your, literally pick your poison 
And I think that's the other thing with foods. We sometimes demonize foods. And for women, for so many of us, there's like, there's a relationship with food, right? And it goes beyond the fuel of eating every day or our health. It's emotional. There's body image. There's self-worth. There's a lot of stuff wrapped up in food. There's community. There's family. There's history. There's all these things. And so when you, for some people, when you start to tell them that a food is bad, that there's a lot of resistance, right? And so it's like, okay, that's cool. The food's not bad. The food isn't bad. Dairy isn't bad. But certain kinds of dairy might be bad for you right now. So let's pull them out for a little while and see if we can get the body to heal. Because the biggest secret that I feel like in medicine, and I'll get off my soapbox, but that like we aren't taught is that the body can heal itself. Not always. There's certainly considerations where it can't. But if we could heal all of our own blood sugar imbalances and digestive issues and heart disease largely and a lot of these things, how much money would there be for like life-saving cancer treatments and drugs that we cannot heal ourselves or we need to like put every dollar we got as far as I'm concerned or a lot of it into accelerating that that side of the field, right? So it's just a balance and I think that people are starting to wake up to that. So if you have, um, so someone like, I mean, I feel pretty healthy. I always have a lot of energy, um, but I do, I'm so curious. Like, so someone like me who I see the doctor once a year, I don't really have many questions. I, once a month I get really bad period cramps. That's about it. Um, but I, I eat well, I exercise, I have endless energy and I want to stay this way. And I want to make sure, like, I've heard about people coming in for tests, like what you're talking about, like blood tests for everything you could possibly put in your body. Could I, could someone like me just, you know, do I just like make up an appointment and just try to like, is it upkeep? Like, I just want to know what is going on with me. Like, why do I feel good? And how do I keep that going? I'm in my forties. I don't want to, you know, menopause I'm sure is coming up and I've heard horror stories about that. And that is like, that is my one thing I'm scared about because I don't, I don't want to lose the way I feel now because I, I love having this energy and I I just have heard a few friends of mine who are like three and four years older than me have said look I I was a runner all my life I felt amazing and you know she's hitting 50 now and she said her life changed over the last year she doesn't know what happened but she feels like crap and I just want to not get to that point but I don't you know I don't really think I have to change much that I'm doing right now but is there a way to just check in with you guys or do you have to be on certain insurance like how does this all work if for the average person yeah well you know First of all, you said it, right? I feel great, but I don't know why. (laughs) And so if you don't know why, how are you going to keep it going? Right. Right. And so this is the thing. We live our lives. We feel great. And then one day it breaks. It could be menopause. It could be something else. By the way, you don't have to have a bad menopause. Um, You don't have to, but there's things you can do to change that trajectory. Um, And so if you know why you feel the way you do, then you're in control. Then you're empowered. So yes, we have lots of patients or members as we call them, uh, like you who are like, I feel pretty great today, but maybe I have a family history of, of Alzheimer's or something. And I want to get my genetic testing done and know if I do too. Maybe I had kids recently and I kind of want to pull myself together a little bit, or maybe my friend is going through something and I want to know if I, that might be me in a few years. Right. So we have people come and, uh, we have two programs, an annual program that's 150 bucks a month. And these fees, by the way, include all your visits with the doctor, all your visits with the health coach, unlimited messaging. There's no other fees. Uh, and, or we have a three month program now, which we launched like last week. Uh, we haven't even like officially told the world about it. So I'm telling you guys first, it's like on the site, but, um, it's a three month program. That's about addressing your most pressing health problem. Um, and we you can sign up for either way. Um, but we, 
we would do testing and we would begin to answer those questions. And it's funny, like, no matter how great you feel, I don't know anyone who can't feel better. I feel pretty great. But if I get, we'd have something that we created internally called the Parsley Symptom Score. It's a health score. And everybody does this before their visits with us repeatedly throughout the year. And it tracks your symptoms over time across your mental health, your, your hormones, your digestive issues, your body pain. People who come in who are like, I am perfectly healthy. Nothing is wrong with me. Nothing has ever been wrong with me. They do that symptom score and it's like pop up, pop up, pop up. And then we do a blood test and there's like, there's a thing, there's a thing, there's a thing. And you know, not to say that we're going to find some catastrophic thing, probably not, which is great. But we're going to find some stuff that you can tune up or improve that you might not have known about because what we can't measure, we can't manage, right? And a lot of us are living in our heads and ignoring our bodies from the neck down. Again, we're just waiting till we hit the wall. And so if you actually take stock and you do a little head to toe, and I encourage all of you guys to do this tonight and everyone listening to this to do this, you kind of go head to toe. Like, am I having headaches? Am I having any issues with my vision? Um, how am I tasting smell? How's my throat feel? How's my back and muscles and bones feel? How's my digestion? Have I accepted that I'm bloated after every meal and not just normal? When's the last time I pooped? Like you start asking some of these questions and I feel perfect. Nothing has ever been wrong with me in the history of the world. Suddenly turns into, Oh yeah, here's all the things, right? (laughs) Here's all the things that we just, as women, I think often don't address. And so partially helps you address all those things. We're not problem hunters. We're not here to tell you something's wrong with you. We're here to just help empower you to know where your baseline is. And so when things do start to slide, maybe in the future, which I know they won't. Um, but if they do, you know, you know, you had a baseline, you know, what great felt like and why you were great. So that's your key to getting back there is knowing why you felt great. By the way, for your period cramps, just track your cycles on, um, you know, on your little app, whatever app I use a free app. Um, period tracker light has like 20 years of my data. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But they do. <laughs> it's really like, just but, oh, funny because it's the one day it's not even, it's like right before I start not to get too gross, right before I start to bleed. <laughs> it's like the so night you, before, literally the night before it's like, it's like clockwork. I'm like, I, I know the exact feeling horrible <laughs> in the front pain. John has to like take his thumb and just do my lower back. And then I take one naproxen. I'm fine. And then that's it. It's over. And then, I, and then the whole rest of my cycle, um, um, it's just one, like it's a few hours and I don't know what yeah. the hell. <laughs> well, um, we could look into that. There's a couple of things, but the simplest thing, um, just take some magnesium okay. like two days before your cycle. Magnesium glycinate. I always joke that it's like my favorite wonder drug. It's the simplest thing in the world, but it's a great for anxiety. It's great for sleep. I take 200 milligrams at bedtime. That's two pills before I go to bed. Um, uh, and it helps me just have a deeper sleep, not addictive. It's like a little bit, of, I call it nature Xanax. It's like calming. Um, but it can also just help relax the, uh, the muscles a little bit. So two days before your cycle, you can take a little magnesium, or if you're taking that one, Aleve or naproxen or whatever it is, like that one time, and that's working for you, that's great too. But if you want to avoid the cramps, um, start that magnesium two or three days before your cycle. If you know when that is, if you're tracking, um, and it should be a lot better. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I Robin, you're back. so amazing. <laughs> you just, are. It's like so incredible. And I really hope that people out there got as much as I just did, because I really think this like changed my entire mindset on doctors. I think a lot of us get scared to approach it because it just seems so overwhelming and you make it so much more approachable. So thank you for that. Truly. Thank you for that. Um, 
and we loved having you and I would love to have you back again down the line because there's so much more we could talk to you about. But um, for today, we do have two more quick things that we do with all of our guests. So I'm going to start by asking you our lightning round questions. Are you ready? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> First up, morning or evening workout? Evening. Oh, all right. Uh, what is your favorite workout? Yoga. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. And coffee, tea, or matcha? Oh, coffee. Espresso is my life, truly. That's amazing. I totally expected to hear matcha from Dr. Robin Burzin. <laughs> no, no. If you're going to do it, do the real stuff. That's how I, I always say it. Spoken from a um, okay, and the very last thing, Megan says it's so much better. Karma call. It's our little last section, Karma call, which Megan just crushes because she's <laughs> awesome. Um, but obviously, being a yogi, you know that the word karma means action. So we ask all of our epic, amazing guests um, what is one actionable item that our listeners could do that would really change their life? So, like, drink water every morning, you know, something small for a big result. Ooh, I have like, I can, can I give like three little mini ones? Yeah. Okay. Um, one mini one, if you're not sleeping well, try some, mag- or you're having menstrual cramps, try some magnesium glycinate. It's really helpful. We have it on our site, but there's a lot of other places to get it too. Um, the second one is learn how to manage your stress healthfully. Uh, we all, a lot of us use food, alcohol, media, lots of other things to manage our stress in this times. We need healthy stress management to learn to meditate. I recommend a simple breathing practice, inhale for four, exhale for six, do it for two minutes. I guarantee you, you will feel a little bit better. And um, then if you are inhale for four, <laughs> inhale for four, exhale for six <sighs> and do that for two minutes, the little timer and it's how you self soothe and get some healthy ways of dealing with stress versus the other things that are more destructive. And then my final one, if you want the pro move, if you're ready for more than what I just gave you, do that elimination diet. We talked about cut out. Cut out all wheat, dairy, and as much sugar, refined carbs or sugar as you can for 30 days. And then reintroduce each one at a time, like a couple weeks apart, and see how you feel um, And if you're if you're up for the challenge. That love that. Was awesome. Thank you so much. We loved having you here. Enjoy upstate New York and uh, come back and talk to us soon. And then for everybody out there. Thank you for joining us today. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And also follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.